This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Turn on the Jets Podcast. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we're joined by Chris Moore of CBS Sports and WFAN. We're going to talk about all of the latest New York Jets head coach search news, uh, the first wave of interviews and reported interest in interviews has already taken place. Uh, so we're going to talk through some of the candidates that we love, some of the candidates that we hate, uh, and everybody in between. This was a, a really good, fun one. goes for about a half hour, so make sure uh, you stick around and give that a full listen. Also want to remind you guys that we are now part of the Overtime Media Network for the podcast, so you'll hear uh, and you'll see that logo in the corner. It's going to help with our distribution and help uh, help us push some more stuff out and more content out for you guys this year. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. It's the same RSS feed. It's the same everything. Uh, still need those ratings. Still need those reviews. Still planning to have a show every Thursday throughout the offseason with extra ones as needed for breaking news and also periodic Saturday mailbags. All right, this week's guest, first time on the podcast for Chris Moore, CBS Radio, WFAN. Chris, glad you're finally able to uh, hop on the podcast. It's been good to interact with you on Twitter over the uh, past few months. Yeah, I don't know what we'll learn between the two of us because we seem to agree on a lot. And uh, we've never met each other, but your thoughts, a lot of what you have written, I've agreed with. So we've sort of been simpatico on Twitter. Unfortunately, it hasn't been overly positive most of the time but hey maybe uh you know with all the options available to them now with the coach the money and the draft pick maybe we can turn a corner here let's hope so it does always seem like the off season is the most fun and entertaining point of the jet seasons particularly over these past i don't know eight years or so this year being no exception so the latest news out of today is the Jets did their first formal inter- interview with Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. Uh, they are confirmed that they're going to interview uh, Chris Richard from the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Now coming through that, they are going to interview Adam Gase when he's done interviewing with the Adam Car- uh, Arizona Cardinals. Also last night, we had Jets Twitter having a party because Cliff Kingsbury is going to interview with them and Jamal Adams, Marcus May, and Chris Herndon were egging it along on Twitter. Out of those four names, what gets you excited and what gets you overly concerned? The enemy excites me a little bit just because I think he's pretty smart and I think he knows where the line is. Uh, look, Joe, I, I'm, I'm really a big believer in in changing the culture first. Like, I, I think these teams, and I don't care whether you're the Jets or Tampa or Miami or any of these also-ran programs that just sort of exist to be fill out the, the schedule for the, the eventual good teams. I mean, that's what they've been lately. Um, you got to change the culture to hate losing. You know, I mean, that's the first thing. So I'm looking for a positive vibe from somebody i'm looking for somebody that uh, understands that discipline and football can never really be separated and that's going to set a tone of this is how we do things here and it's hard to find like i'm asking for a lot because as you look around the league to me you see a lot of teams very accepting of losing i think the giants are great at losing i mean mean, it's just uh, whatever and the Jets have been that way, and Buffalo's that way, and Miami's that way, and you can make a huge list of teams that 
just have learned how to lose without it hurting them. So the first thing, rather than X's and O's or, you know, all the, the, the number of things that have to happen for you to be a successful head coach, you've got to establish a culture of this is, you know, this is what's acceptable here and this isn't. And when you haven't won, it's really hard to do that. If you're Bill Belichick, it's easy to do that because he has something to point to. But when you've never won, you know, guys are going to roll their eyes. And, and your job is to say, hey, <laughs> we haven't won. And part of the reason is we're not disciplined enough and we don't hate losing enough. So I'm hoping they can find somebody that hates losing. The enemy to me in reading about him seems to be a guy that gets that fine line, kind of like Pete Carroll, where you can be a player's coach, but there's a line there. And you, you don't want to cross that line. And I'm you know, my fear always is that they're going to get somebody that, you know, that, that is caught up in the X's and O's and not caught up in the attitude of the players. I really believe in the team game of football more than any other sport. And, and I really believe that it starts with hating to lose the way Jet fans know Jamal Adams hates to lose. You know, making that infectious is job one, if you ask me. Those four names aside... I would guess, and this could be wrong, but this is just from reading the tea leaves of how it's been covered on SNY and how the beat has covered it. I feel like the Jets' top choice is Mike McCarthy, and that if Mike McCarthy interviews here and says, I will take the job, they will give him the job. Now, it seems like he's considering them, he's considering Cleveland, may consider a third team at some point. McCarthy... I'm very lukewarm on. I think he's a safe choice. I hate it. Yeah, I think he's... I hate it. You know, a safe choice, but you're, what you're getting is like, well, we're going to take a high floor, but we're not going to take any type of, you know, risk here. We know he could be a head coach. For me, it feels like you hire McCarthy, they go eight and eight, two years in a row, and then they end up cleaning house. And I also don't see how a McCarthy McCagnin marriage really works because why is McCarthy going to be deferential to McCagnin? who hasn't won anything compared to him. And McCarthy, everyone wants to talk about his record and winning the Super Bowl. I care about what McCarthy did the past two years, past two, three years, where it's been ugly and he's been getting progressively worse. Why is he going to get better now without Aaron Rodgers? What is the fascination and why does every single credentialed person who covers this team laud hiring Mike McCarthy? Because it's the lazy pick and because they're so afraid of having someone who has not been a head coach. And look, I, I was one of many who was, as you like to use the term, cautiously optimistic about Todd Bowles, and it didn't work. And Eric Mangini didn't work, and Rex Ryan worked for the short term. And, you know, none of these guys have gone on to have careers anywhere else. So when I look at why McCarthy, who is old man football, who is the past, who is a disaster, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as as a reason to be optimistic for a Jets fan. The last guy you want to me is Mike McCarthy. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't resonate in any way, shape or form. He doesn't bring anything new. We see around the league, the game has changed. And, you know, if you, if you look at his recent work and his time management, clock management, you know, Mike McCarthy is, is the opposite of what you want, particularly as you brought up and rightly so the relationship with Mike McCagman will not work. And McCagnan will not recommend to Christopher Johnson that they hire Mike McCarthy because he becomes 
you know, an afterthought at that point. McTagnan becomes an afterthought if McCarthy's the coach. It's all McCarthy's. And McTagnan doesn't want that. He's got an ego. He's got belief in his ability. He's got this money to spend. He's got the third pick and what to do with that. So I, I just really don't think McCarthy will get hired, and I think it's a blessing for both parties. I don't think he's a good match with the Jets, and I don't think the Jets are a good match for him. So I'm hoping that uh, that Mike McCarthy is not is not the guy. I'll be very disappointed if it's McCarthy. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Why do you think? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Players like Adams uh, and May are so excited about the potential of Cliff Kingsbury interviewing here. You know, a lot of the initial reaction was a lot of excitement. And then I started to get a lot of questions that, hey, like this guy has a poor record at Texas Tech, why would we think he could succeed as a head coach at the NFL if from a win and loss standpoint, he struggled at Texas Tech? Now, obviously, there's more nuance to why the Jets and Cardinals and other teams might have interest in him. Why does his name excite the younger players and a guy like Adams so much on the team? First of all, Texas Tech's irrelevant, I mean, to the conversation. He didn't win there. I don't think that means he doesn't win anywhere else he goes to coach. Uh, in terms of the optimism, I think we all, you know, if you're a creative player and you, and you look at your quarterback as, you know, a guy who can make plays from all parts of the width of the field. In other words, roll left, roll right, stay in the pocket, step up, run the ball when he has to. When you think your, your quarterback has the chance to be creative and is a good decision maker, you want a guy that's going to give you the most options. And Kingsbury, I think uh, excites the offense and, and excites the guys on offense and the guys on defense, because let's face it, when you're on defense, all you're doing is rooting for the offense until you get back in the game. So I, I just think that Kingsbury creates that optimism you talked about earlier. He creates the thought of what if, you know, and, and we can be creative. And when you look around the league at Breeze and Mahomes and Goff and, and the young quarterback succeeding and Russell Wilson leading Seattle back. You're, you're looking at creative guys who get out of the pocket, who make plays all over the field, and whose offenses are, are not just vertical but horizontal and more like the college game. So the game is becoming more like the college game. Points are going up. The effect of uh, fantasy football and the way the rules are in which they really like points uh, and they're not going to turn back from that. They're going to make every rule really lean toward offensive success rather than defensive success. With all that in mind, you want an offensive creative guy who will take chances and make plays and make the field, you know, a, a playground, I mean, for the offense. And I think that's where that optimism comes from, whether it's, you know, whether it's Kingsbury, you know, to some extent Munkin, to definitely to be enemy, they're looking at guys who can create some offense and create an air of uh, innovation 
on an offense rather than being dull. And let's face it, they've been pretty dull. Is there any dark horse candidate, somebody who, I don't know, is not getting the same buzz as some of these top-tier names that are being kicked around that you think could prospectively ultimately end up being the higher? And do you think, are you, or you are, are you concerned that the dominoes could start falling and the Jets may end up having to scramble and go with somebody who's not a tier one or tier two coach. Now, most people, and I would agree with this, would say that the Jets are probably the third most desirable vacancy behind the Browns and maybe behind the Packers. Some people have them ahead of the Packers. I would say when you factor in everything with both franchises, I put the Packers slightly above, but most have them above the other four remaining vacancies. So, is there another name, or, or are you concerned of kind of being left in the cold and then having to go hire Jim Caldwell or Chuck Pagano or something? Yeah, that would stink. I mean, you and I agree on that, and I think most Jet fans listening to this agree on that. Uh, and it's a reality. I mean, it's always a possibility. I think the mistake made in ranking these jobs is is in Mike McCagnan. I mean, I think Mike McCagnan is more important than the new head coach. Uh, not by a lot, but I think that our focus on the coach is normal. Uh, and when you get in close games and you get in big games, it'll it'll increase. But this is McTaggart's franchise now. If he's going to have say on the coach, he's going to have say on the spending of the money, and he's going to have the ultimate say on who they draft or what trade they make in the draft, then, you know, it's all in his playground. It's all in his sandbox right now. And as to ranking this job, this job really depends on, on McCagnan, if I'm a head coach. I need to know McCagnan's going to make decisions that are going to help me win and is not worried about his own personal deal. I hate this deal where the coach reports to the owner and the uh, general manager reports to the owner. To me, that, that is just ludicrous. I mean, it is, it is a reason for Jet fans to think it's going to be another 50 years as long as the Johnsons own it because it's just wrong. It just doesn't make sense. And as to your original question about dark horses, I think Kingsbury is a dark horse. You know, I think these guys are dark horses. We've come out with more openings than we thought we'd have. We have more positions available. We have fewer available coaches with experience that people would like. And just like in free agency, when there are fewer great players available, then that elevates the ones that are available. And I feel the same way about this coaching situation, that, you know, some of these guys might not have been looked at if there were a lot of strong candidates out there, but I look at it and, and think there aren't. So I think the dark horses, as you call them, are the enemy, Monk and uh, Kingsbury in particular is a dark horse. I think that's what those guys are. And, you know, I, I, I'm, look, I don't want to be right. Like, you know, the one thing people have to understand, you're a talk show host or you're doing what you do or, or what a columnist or whatever, uh, you know, I don't want to be the one with the best answer. I want them to have the best answer. That's their job. They're inside. They have contacts. They know what's what. They know how players think, coaches think, assistant coaches. They know about what kind of staff they're likely to bring with them. I mean, they know stuff we can't possibly know. So it's fun to speculate, but I don't want to be the guy that's right. You know, and I don't care if I think the, the choice is awful because it's the least important thing to them what we think about their choice in January. If the guy wins, we'll all love him. And if the guy loses, maybe we'll say, I told you so, 
But that doesn't matter at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like a year from now, this whole process doesn't matter. The only question that Jet fans will have, did you get the right guy or did you get the wrong guy? Not, did I like it at the time? You know, those are two separate questions. So I'm long-winded. I'm passionate about this. I want them to do well. I'm tired of, of the mediocre. And I know all Jet fans are tired of the mediocre. But set yourself up for success. And don't listen to talk shows or read the paper. Pick the guy you think can do the job and live with the consequences. That's all I'm asking you to do. But when you separate Johnson and McCagnan and you have them, them the head coach then uh, answer to Johnson, to me, it, it's, it, it just sets up a finger-pointing situation when things get tough. And regardless of how good you are, things always get tough at some point. So I don't like the premise that they set up at the press conference. I really don't. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love the year-end press conference. I think there was a little bit of movement towards having some more accountability, but the general message was no change to the reporting structure, no playoff mandate, and a lot not a lot of accountability for a 24 and 40 record over the past 4 years and the two people leading the Jets head coaching search have no experience in leading a head coaching search. I mean, we all like the attitude that Chris Johnson has bought, brought comparatively to Woody Johnson, but no Jet fan alive knew who Chris Johnson was, what, 14 months ago? And now he's leading the head coach <laughs> search for the New York Jets, and is go- that guy is going to report to him. So, And I couldn't agree with you more on being tired of the mediocrity. Nobody likes having to cover a consistent a team that's consistently this bad. You look at the, you know, I, I'm with my in-laws in New England around Thanksgiving and around Christmas for the Jets-Patriots games. And these are supposed to be games that you're supposed to be excited about and rooting for your team to win. And by the time it's Thanksgiving, the Jets season's over, and I'm rooting for them to lose because it's more important for them to get a draft pick than they're not even competing for a playoff spot. And for Week 17, they might as well have been playing a different sport than New England. New England didn't even break a sweat and beat them by 35 points. It's not even in the same division. So all these Jet fans talking about, well, we're ready to take over the division for the next decade. I, I don't know what game you just watched <laughs> on Sunday. It doesn't look like that to me. So all of us are exhausted of that and need some kind of tangible progress in the right direction. This has been, particularly for me, a Jet fan who's 31, this has been the first prolonged stretch of same old Jet-styled football. It's been the third or, fourth, third or fourth worst stretch overall in franchise history, going eight years without the playoffs, going 5-11, and 5-11, and 4-12. and 12. What kind of timeline do you think is on – I guess it's hard to call it a new regime because it's kind of a split regime. What, what record did the Jets go next year where they don't make any changes? And what record do they need? Like, what threshold did they need to hit to go year six of Mike McCagnin or perspe- and then prospectively year two of this new head coach? Well, here's my thought on that, Joe. And, and there are two. Uh, one is, uh, just as a caution to everybody, I don't know how many times we've heard over the last four years, they like Todd Bowles, they respect Todd Bowles, they play for Todd Bowles, they care about Todd Bowles. It never showed up. So stop listening to that, okay? There's there's nothing that a player can say except for that he likes the coach. He likes the quarterback. He likes the personnel on the team. He thinks they'll do better. It's all just a bunch of garbage, you know, and, and they never played for Todd Bowles in the big spot. From the Buffalo game, the last game of the season uh, against Rex Ryan three or four years ago, it seems like forever ago now, 
through the rest of the time there, they never showed up for them. And they haven't played a big game since that. You know, they haven't played a big game since that Buffalo game. And as to how we grade them, I assume they'll win some games, but I don't want to do it by one loss at this point. I really don't. And that's not a cop-out. It's If you're listening to this podcast and you follow Joe and you listen to us on the air or any Jet back, you're into the Jets. Clearly, you're into the Jets, so you wouldn't be listening to this. If you're into the Jets, you'll know. You'll know if they have players or they don't have players. Herndon looks like a player. Allen, I mean, obviously, uh, Darnold is a player. Uh, Jamal Adams is a player. But but when you break it down, you know, Nuno, I think, was a good re-signing. Uh, they've done some things. Looks like uh, uh, Shell will be back and he'll be okay, and that's nice news. There's, they have some pieces, but Leonard Williams is overrated. They don't, I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're farther away than people. And I feel the same way about the Giants, by the way, if you think I'm taking sides here. I, I, they're farther away than people realize in their everyday personnel. So I guess my way of, and I'm not copping out because I don't care. I'd be happy to tell you they need to go nine and seven or 10 and six, but I'm looking at, give me some players. Okay, and have an attitude where you think it sucks to lose, like you're embarrassed to lose. Like you lose to Miami or Buffalo or a Tampa or a half-assed team out there that has no better talent than you have, and you walk off the field saying, well, we've made a couple more plays, you know. Shut up. I mean, enough. That, that's the thing that I think Jet fans have had enough of. Just go out there and play to your capability and – Add the right players and the right mix. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're going to make some mistakes. But, you know, show us that you are improving. Give us some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, that is really what we're looking for. And it cannot be Darnold alone. I don't know yet whether Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Darnold will be better. I'd bet on Darnold, but I wouldn't bet a lot. I'm not sure yet. So, you know, stop thinking that because you have a quarterback that the game is, you know, that we're in the driver's seat because Miami doesn't have one and Brady's a million years old and we don't know about Allen. So we'll be in good shape in the division. No, you won't. You've got to be a good organization. Show me you're a good organization first. Then we'll talk about record. They're, to me, they're far away from record. I mean, my frustration shows in my voice. They're far away from worrying about what record they'll have. Give me some players. Get me excited. Tell me that in, on, on Thanksgiving weekend, when you go to New England, that wherever they play that weekend, they have a big game. It's an important game. we got a big game this weekend because all Jet fans are tired of not having a big game, right? I mean, Nick fans know it very, very well. We never have a big game. There's never a big game. Give me a big game in December. Give me one. That's all I'm asking for. We'll go from there. And if you don't see that, then what their record is doesn't matter. I don't care what their record is. Play some games late. It's not that hard. There's six teams that make the playoffs, not two or three, six. You can be one of those six. So I just want to see them make the right decisions. And, you know, I can't say that I'm optimistic they will. I don't have a lot of faith in this ownership. I don't have a lot of faith in McCagnan. And all to me, all the pressure's on him. It's all on McCagnan right now. The ball is in your court. You've got the pick. You've got the money, and you have a big input in the head coach. So as McCagnin goes the next three or four years, so go the Jets. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately that's going to be true, right? I mean, they had $100 million in cap space last year, and they left with you know Tremaine Johnson, Spencer Long, and Isaiah Crowell. You have to come back this year with a Le'Veon Bell or other top-tier individuals, particularly on the offensive side of the football where they're so far behind uh, in a league that is skewing towards offense and passing. Right, so, right. You know, those decisions, you know, at a minimum all those contracts are going to be two-year contracts, and whatever person you pick third overall, if you trade back and acquire more picks, that's going to have a ripple effect for the next three or four years. And, you know, I think with the record, there's a difference between a seven and nine like they had a few years ago or an eight and eight like they had a few years ago when you're really out of it and you just pile up some meaningless late-season wins. And what you said where, you know, you're six and four and you're six and five, and there's seven new playoff teams in the NFL this year. There's that turnover every single year. This is a league built for parity. It's not built to miss the playoffs eight years in a row. Matt Nagy made the playoffs in his first year with the Bears. So did Sean McVay. Even if you look at the Jets' history, Herm Edwards' first year made the playoffs. Eric Mangini made the playoffs. Rex made the playoffs. Bowles was a Fitzpatrick interception away from making the playoffs. So, you know, this endless patience that some Jet fans, I guess, just are starting to succumb to, there needs to, like you said, be some more overall urgency. So before we let you go... As it stands now, who do you, not who do you want, who do you predict the Jets will ultimately hire as their head coach? And what do you predict will be their biggest offseason acquisition? Wow. <laughs> you left, right you on know, the spot. I was, so I was so confident in all of my other answers. You know, I felt like I was doing my talk show, like I was in control, you know, like I was in the, in the captain's seat. Now I feel like a passenger again, and I, I'm looking out the window trying to figure out what my answer will be. Who do I think they'll hire? Wow. I, jeez, uh, I hope it's the enemy or Munkin or somebody that's innovative and up and coming. And, you know, but again, I, I really want them to feel like the person will hire a really good staff and change the culture about what's expected out of that football team. And I know it's easier said than done. And I wish I had an inside track on who could rule with an iron fist. I'll never, I'll never believe that you can win in football without discipline. You know, maybe not Coughlin type discipline. Maybe that's gone now, but something closer to that, you know, something closer to really answering for your failures and really feeling like you let everybody down. And I don't get that sense around the Jets right now. Um, you know, I hope it's not McCarthy. God, if they, I don't think it'll be McCarthy because I don't think McCagden will sign off on McCarthy. So I guess if I had to answer that question, I would say, God, who would I, <laughs> I, I would say Caldwell. I would say Caldwell. Ooh, that's and depressing. That, Very depressing. That would be depressing to me. I mean, but that would be the gutless pick, and that would be the pick that exemplifies who they've been. I'm hoping it's Munkin or the enemy because from what I've heard and read, but again, I want them to know better than me. You know, I want my opinion to basically mean nothing except for that of a passionate fan. I don't want my opinion to mean anything and it doesn't, but people want to know it. That's the society we live in. We want to know the 10 day weather. We want to know what you think about everything. So uh, that I give you as the levy on bell, I think they might they might go get him because their cap space is so great and because he would create an air of optimism that they are trying to create. So I'd say Le'Veon Bell 
has a good chance to be a Jet. Uh, again, though, as we see across pro sports, you know, you better convince these free agents that you're on your way. I mean, Kirk Cousins, thank God they didn't get him, but Kirk Cousins didn't come because he didn't see light at the end of the tunnel with the Jets, and he thought he saw it with the Vikings, and it turned out it didn't work. But that doesn't really matter. The fact that it didn't work doesn't matter. The fact is that three agents are going to want a chance to be on successful teams that are well-run, and this is in any sport, any team, well-run, successful teams that look like they know what they're doing. So, Mr. McCagnan, you've got to convince these free agents that, you know, the money is equal here or there. I'm going to choose the Jets because they have Darnold and because it looks like they know what they're doing. And what all Jet fans must fear is that if McCagnan does not appear to know what he's doing, then all bets are off on who agrees to come here because there's a lot of money everywhere. You know, that's, I mean, yeah, sure. Some, the, let me put it to you another way. The guys that will come just for the money are guys you don't want. Simple as that. The guys that will come just because you're offering the most are generally guys you don't want. You want guys that are excited about being a New York Jet. And given their history, those are hard guys to find unless you convince them that these Jets are not the same old Jets. And that's why getting a Munkin or Biennemi is so much better than getting a Caldwell or a Pagano or even a McCarthy because it's a page turner. It means, hey, it's not the same anymore. It's not the same. Come here, be a part of something that's growing. And hopefully that's what they're able to execute. And we can only cross our fingers as Jet Pets. Chris Moore, great stuff. Everybody give him a follow on Twitter, at More to Say. He is from CBS Sports. He is from WFAN. Chris, we will talk when they make this decision, and hopefully it is not Jim Caldwell and we have a more positive discussion. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. (laughs) 